your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. This weekend, as we mentioned, uh, our youth have been talking about what the church is, what it does, how to be a part, um, who should be leading the church. They've been having sessions on specific aspects of the church. And so today what I want to do is in a brief message, I want to talk about what does it look like to be a good church member? What does it look like to be someone who is actively engaging in the way that we are intended to engage in the church? What does it look like for me to be an active, healthy part of this thing called the church? Now, over the weekend, our students have heard lots of different definitions of the church, and we could sit here today and I could ask for definitions, and you could give me different ones. I mean, if you ask people in the world in general, people say, what's a church? They're going to talk about a building, or they're going to talk about a name, or they're going to talk about a structure or a program. But the definition that I gave the other night And it's not an all-inclusive definition, but it is a part of what the church is. Is that the church is a group of people who have identified themselves with Jesus and are committed to carrying on His work. It's a group of people that have identified themselves with Jesus. So Jesus is the one around whom we find our identity. He is the one around whom we identify ourselves and say that is the place where we are connected. No matter how different we may be, we are connected in Jesus and who He is and in that we are going to carry out His work on a continual basis. And so at First Baptist Goodlettsville, basically the church of First Baptist Goodlettsville is a group of people gathered, most of us in this room, some of you are guests, some of you are not part of us, but Most of us in this room have identified ourselves with this group of people, hopefully around an identity in Jesus and a commitment to do His work. Well, that came out of a discussion in Acts chapter 2 where Peter gives the first sermon basically inviting people to become a part of this new movement to carry on the work of Jesus. And at the end of that chapter, in chapter 2, is one of the most famous descriptions of a very healthy church. It's the first church, really, that's gathered in Jesus' name and for His purposes. And so it is essential for us to think about what this means. So starting in verse 41 of chapter 2, we see, Those who accepted His message were baptized. Jeff talked with our group last night about the importance of identifying yourself as a follower of Jesus and as a member or a participant in what the church is doing. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. Verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, all the believers were together and had everything in common. So they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had Need, And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex. Broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. A few things I want you to, to get today about what it means to be an active and good participant in church. 
What it means to be a good church citizen. And I think what we see in this passage gives us that. If you've got a place to take some notes, I encourage you to do that. If you've got your uh, smartphone or tablet with you, uh, we're using Uversion Live. Uh, just uh, note their uh, servers have been a little spotty today, but we're on there. And it's under Glow Regarding Church. And we're going to talk about just a few things that make good church members. Here's the first thing. In order to be a great church member, in order to be someone that is actively contributing to the message of the church and of furthering the work of Jesus, we need to learn to embrace God's Word. Look what it says here in verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, what we have to realize is, back then they didn't have the New Testament like we have it. But the apostles were men who had walked with Jesus, and part of the main things, in Greek culture especially, in Greek writing, the first thing they list is the most important thing. And so the most important thing they did when they got together is they studied God's Word. They studied the apostles' teaching. Now, I want you also to see that two other times it's mentioned in this text, that they gathered and broke bread together. Now, in some ways, that's talking about the fellowship, the, the getting together and eating a meal, but it's also a description of the Lord's Supper. And for them, the Lord's Supper was like studying Scripture. Because each time they got together, the apostles would explain what Jesus taught them on that final night. And so they got together, and every time they did, they completely engrossed themselves in the Word of God. One of the things that is true about our society today is that we live in a world that is becoming more and more complicated and confusing. I read a quote this week that I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite quotes I've seen in recent days. It says, um, Henry Nouwen, who's a a guy that, that writes about the spiritual life, says, many of us, our minds have become like a banana tree filled with monkeys constantly jumping up and down. All right? You get the picture there? Like a banana tree with monkeys. It's just that things are firing all over the place. Going together. I read an interview um, this morning, actually, with uh, George Clooney. You know who George Clooney is? Y'all know him? All right. I read an interview with George Clooney, and he was talking about his wild days are behind him, and that he likes to be in bed by 10 o'clock. And so they asked him, well, you know, something, and he I don't know why he went into this discussion, but he just said something that's kind of interesting to me. He said, I go to bed every night before 10 o'clock now almost, and he said, I always have to have the TV on when I go to bed. Because if I don't, my mind races to too many things to let me calm down. And our world is filled with constant noise and motion and confusion. James described it as being double-minded, as being someone who is tossed about continually. And the thing in our lives that ought to be able to bring focus in the midst of that is the Word of God. James would say that in order to live a focused life, we must learn what God's Word says. One of the things that we are committed to as a church is that the Word of God is going to be at the center of what we do. My preaching will have the Word of God at the center of it. Our Sunday school classes will be based on the Bible and not just the latest things to talk about. But let me tell you something. Even if you are at every possible thing that this church provides, you still need to be more engaged with the Word of God than simply just being here. It ought to be a natural part of your life. 
It ought to be a daily reminder of who God is. These people were getting together, and these were in the early days, and they were centered around it. And so in order to be someone that is a good church member, you're going to have to be involving yourself, embracing God's Word. You learn to love it, you learn, you learn about it, and then you live what you learn. What God intends for us is that the confusion of the world would fade away as our minds become focused on His Word. So the first thing, if you're going to be a good church member, you've got to be actively involved in studying God's Word and reading God's Word. Pray that God would give you understanding. Read it and then live out what you know. Here's the second thing. Not only do we need to embrace God's Word, but we need to embrace one another. We need to commit to God's people. Look what it says again in verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. What does fellowship mean? What does it mean? Potluck dinner? After church on a Sunday, right? We have fellowship committee. What are they charged with? Developing parties. That's what they were supposed to do, all right? Now, fellowship in here is talking about an active engagement with one another. Part of what it means to be a good church member is that you are actively engaged with the other people with whom you identified. You love them, you care for them, you take care of them, you work for them, you listen to them, you are loving, you're encouraging, you're helping. It means that you are constantly thinking about ways that you can help out and to serve, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But the idea is that you are committed not to a building, you are not committed to a place, you are not committed to, to uh, a tradition, you're committed to the people of God that have gathered together here. What binds you to this place? What binds you to First Baptist Church Goodlettsville? Is it the tradition that you've been here? Is it the fact that you're still looking for a place to kind of fit in because you've been a part of another group and you're trying to filter through some things? Is it some friends that you have? Some people that you've walked with for a while? One of the things that you get the sense of, and we'll get this more even in a minute, you get the sense that this early church... It wasn't just that they were tied to one or two families or one or two friends. They were committed to the fellowship of all believers. You say, well, that'd be easy if it was a small church. Was this a small church? How many people did they add on that first day? How many did they add? That's small, right? That's not small. They were committed to one another. Now, what it also means is this. Part of your commitment to being a good church member is not just, I'm going to love those people and care for those people. There's a commitment to actually be here. Now, I, as I said, I don't believe that church is about a building, but it's about coming together. And look what it says. How often did they meet? How often did they meet? Every day. Here's one of the things that I think is interesting. As the world has become more and more complicated, the church demands less and less time of its people. As we live in a culture that is becoming increasingly non- and even anti-Christian, 
churches are trying to figure out a way to not expect their people to be there very much. And yet here they're there how often? Every day. I saw a cartoon, actually Cliff Johnson gave me a cartoon this morning uh, on our way in, and I looked at it. its family circus, I guess from a couple of weeks ago, it was end of January, and it was this interesting thing where one of the kids is, you know, those kids never grow old, do they? They're the same age always. You know, and how many of you know what I'm talking about when I say family circus? All right, kids are going out the door, and the the... Girl has got like a Bible, I guess, is heading out that direction like she's going to church. And you, all it is is the boy's quote. He goes, oh, I don't have to go to church anymore. I've got an app on my phone for that. Right? And there's this idea that we can replace it. We can do things. But it is just as vital. In fact, in some ways, more vital today that we are committed to one another and to being here than it has ever been. Now listen. I know especially for young families, families of teenagers, even grandparents that help with teenagers and kids, schedules today at least seem more hectic than they have ever been. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, what that ought to do for us is to remind ourselves of what's really important, and to schedule around our priorities and not let our schedule determine our priorities. And so let me ask you, are you committed to being here? Now, those of you that are part of this church know I'm not one that thinks if you miss a, a week of church that you're going to the bad place, all right? But I do think that there has to be a level of I'm going to be there. I may not like everything that's going on. I may not even like that event or that time or that worship style or that sermon series. Or I may not like what's happening with this or that. But I am committed to these people. And because of that, I'm going to be there. A good church member is somebody that embraces God's Word. A good church member is somebody that is committed to God's people. A good church member is someone... Thirdly, who prays. It says, They devoted themselves. The word devoted there means they gave everything they had. To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. I love that it's plural there. I love that it's not to prayer. Some general kind of phrase out there. Oh yeah, we have a prayer ministry or we like to do prayer things. No, this is specifically they committed themselves to prayers. To actually being in the midst of wrestling in that place between heaven and earth. Between the spiritual and the physical. Between the seen and the unseen. And being the intercessors who say, God, we need this to happen. God, we desire for this to happen. God, you have got to show up in our midst. If you look at prayer throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, it doesn't bear as much resemblance to what we like to think of prayer today as we would hope. In fact, John Ortberg in a book has written that biblical prayer is impertinent, persistent, shameless. It's more like haggling in an oriental bazaar than the tepid speeches given in our churches today. When you read Scripture, what happens is people, when they go into prayer, they go into battle. They go into struggle. They consistently ask God for the impossible, and they keep asking Him. 
What are you praying specifically about for your church today? And if your prayers for the church, let me ask you this question. If your prayers for this church were answered, would it bring kingdom impact or would it just make you more comfortable? If your prayers for this church were answered, would it impact the kingdom or would it just make the church look more like you think it ought to look? What kind of prayers are you praying? Good church members embrace God's Word. They spend time together committed to one another. They pray for each other. They pray, I need your prayers. They pray for the staff. They pray for the leadership. They pray for God to do something amazing in our midst. Fourth thing. Only a couple more to go. It talks about the miraculous signs the apostles do. Verse 44 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. So they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all anyone that had a need. Here's one of the most key elements of being a great church member. You have to refuse to be selfish. Now how did that show up in the early church? What did they do? They gave a couple of bucks every week. Is that what they did? What does it say they did? They gave up what? Some? Part? What did they give? They gave everything. They gave everything they had. Basically, they said, listen, I'm going to give you whatever you need. I'm going to put it all in on the table. And then as need arises within the church, you disperse it as you see fit. Now, We immediately think of money. They didn't have money like we think of money. That would have been clothing. It would have been things for their homes. It would have been food. It would have been those kind of things. But get this real quickly. They were much less secure in what they had long term than we are. Most of the people in this early church wouldn't have had bank accounts or savings accounts or 401ks or or 401ks. They didn't have retirement plans. They didn't have backup plans. They didn't have insurance. Most of these people would have had what they needed for that day or that week. And so when they push everything in on the table, they are completely trusting that the Lord's going to take care of them and there couldn't be anyone selfish in the midst of it. In fact, one of the earliest kind of shocking things that happens in the church is when a couple decides they're going to try to scam the system and only give part and hold back some for security and then let everybody think that they did what everybody else is doing, right? There's a couple named Ananias and Zephyr. What happened to them? They got a couple of lashes and sent out the door. What happened? They died. Immediately. We live in such a selfish society that we don't even recognize selfishness anymore. Except in other people. You know how easy it is to see when somebody else is being selfish? Just look at them over there. Just being selfish. And how hard it is for us to see it. There are three symptoms that come with selfishness that kind of are around. And the first one is vanity. Alright? Vanity, that idea of how do I look, how do I appear, not necessarily just physically, but how do people perceive me? We all struggle with this. We're all vain. You, you want to know a way you can tell we all struggle with this? When you pick up a picture and you're in it, how do you determine if it's a good picture? 
If there are 20 people in the picture, how do you determine whether that's a good picture or not? Tell me, how do you determine? How you look in the picture, right? I mean, everybody else could have their head turned and their eyes closed. But as long as you look good, boy, that is a good picture. I, I'll tell you, that's one of the best pictures I've ever seen. We deal with it. We spend time getting ready. Vanity speaks to this idea of needing to be seen and approved and wanted. Uh, another way that, that selfishness shows up a little bit is in a word we call stubbornness. Anybody ever known anybody that was stubborn? Anybody ever known anybody who was stubborn? All right. Somebody go, I am not raising my hand on that. No. I will not, no matter what he says. I am going to be stubborn about it, alright? I know stubborn people. I, I am one. Anybody here want to admit they're a little stubborn sometimes? Alright. There you go. Healing has begun. You've admitted to it, alright? Well, stubbornness has this idea. Behind it is the idea that I know I'm right and the other person is not, is wrong. And so stubbornness has this core of it that I'm going to get my way because I'm right. What are some things to do to show that we're not being selfish? What are some things in church to do to be selfless? Four things that go along with this. I'm going to go through them real quickly. First of all, when it comes time to serve, run to the mundane. You know what I mean by mundane, don't you? Those tasks that nobody else really wants to do. Those tasks that are really not the glamour things. Run to those. Seek those out. Serve one another in that. Secondly, allow interruptions in your life. So when people or church members or even non-church members are coming to you and talking to you, don't get so focused on what has to happen that you don't allow interruptions. Not allowing interruptions basically says, whatever you have is not near as important as what I have to do. Learn what one pastor has called the ministry of holding your tongue. You know, James talks about this, right? He says that we have learned to control the wildest of animals, but the only thing we've never learned to control is the tongue. Anybody ever said anything they they wish they could take back? Yeah. Learn the ministry of holding your tongue. Ask the question, is this really something that will be to the benefit of the church and to the benefit of the person to whom I'm speaking. There are a lot of people in churches today that have the ministry of, if I don't tell them, nobody else will. But do you have the ministry of holding your tongue when it can be negative or corrosive? One last kind of part of this refuse to be selfish. Be someone that is able to bear with other people. Be someone who's able to bear with other people. You know what it means to bear with someone, right? Put up with. Encourage. Help. In fact, part of what it means to be, self, or to be selfless in a church setting is to encourage people even if it isn't your cup of tea. 
even if it's not your number one idea, that you encourage people who are using their gifts for the Lord and say, keep doing it. That was great. Maybe not, I enjoyed it. If you didn't enjoy it, you don't have to lie about it. But you can say, I'm glad that you're using the talents God has given you for the glory of God. That goes for generation to generation and family to family and individual to individual. Be encouraging to one another. Not just with your words, but with your actions. Support and encourage. Scripture says here that the way they encourage one another is that they refuse to be selfish. And I didn't even talk about it. And we could have spent some time on this. And I'm just going to briefly mention it. What it means that they gave their possessions. I mean, part of what it means to be a good church member is that you give what God has called you to give financially. That you put it in there and say, you use it as the wisdom of God leads you to use it. These people had faith that they were going to be used in the correct way. They didn't have to have a detailed account of every dollar that was spent or every clothing that was given. You just give and say, take and use for the glory of God. Two more. Being a good church member not only means refusing to be selfish, but it means... Actively engaging in worship. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness, and I love this phrase, and simplicity of heart. And then right after that it says, and the way they did this was they were continually praising God. Engaging in worship, both individually on your own time and when we come together as God's people to sing praises to our God, then you ought to be engaging collectively in that. I was, uh, most of you know I was in Dyersburg a couple of weeks ago and the uh, minister of music who was fairly new there and is a guy that, that I knew previously, we were just talking and, and about the worship and the service and and he just said, you know, um, he said, Lyle, I know you love this church, I know you love the people, but, but they just are dead when we're singing worship to the Lord. And he goes, and I don't understand it. I don't understand how you can sing what we're talking about in praise and honor to God from the hymns or from the new songs or from anything in between and just act like it doesn't matter at all. And so we were talking and he, he got up and began to lead worship and he just said something that, that's so true. He said, we don't know how many more opportunities we're going to get to come together and to praise God as a people. You know, here's the reality. This exact group of people will probably never be together again in worship. This exact group of people will probably never again be together in worship. And so you can treat every Sunday as a once-in-a-lifetime event. And in treating it as a once-in-a-lifetime event, what you can do is give everything you've got for that moment. And it really shouldn't matter what the instruments are or the melody is, although I understand some people are more comfortable with one or the other. 
But just the fact that we have this opportunity, and it is the only opportunity we have in a seven-day period to gather together as a church, a group of people committed to the Lord, and sing praises and glory and honor to His name. It is the only opportunity that we have in a week's time to get together and celebrate with one another. These people, it says, took every opportunity they had to give praise and honor and glory unto Him. Here's the last thing. Good church members not only embrace God's Word and commit to God's people, pray, refuse to be selfish and engage completely in worship. The last thing is, they remember the big picture. It says in this that praising God, all this was happening and they had favor with all the people. I mean, the people around were astonished. What in the world is happening to those people? What are they doing? And it was more than just curiosity. It says they had favor with all the people. And then it says that every day the Lord added to them those who are being saved. The church of which we are a part, this local body of believers committed to the Lord God, committed to gathering around Jesus and His mission, the thing that we know is that His mission is the spreading of His kingdom. And if we consistently remind ourselves of the big picture, the rallying cry of glorifying God and extending His kingdom to people who are in need of hearing it. Then we become people who are focused on what God intends. How many of you saw the movie City Slickers? Billy Crystal, Jack Palance, alright? Remember Jack Palance in that movie? Basically, the story of the movie is Billy Crystal um, plays a guy who lives in... Uh, does he live in New York? He lives in big city and he, he has a midlife crisis and all of his friends decide they're going to go to a dude ranch and they're going to, you know, ranch for a few days to find themselves. And they get out there and Jack Palance plays this old cowboy who, who just kind of is gruff and doesn't like these city slickers around him and all of that. And he tells Billy Crystal, he says, listen, the key to life is this. Does anybody remember what he does? He holds up one finger, alright? The key to life is this. And it's been building through the movie. Billy Crystal's been asking him, he's going to come the key, and he says, the key to life is this. And Billy Crystal humorously says, the key to life is your finger? What's that? No, the key to life is this. He says, it's to find the one thing that you live for. The key to be an effective church member is to align yourself with the one thing that matters most for us as a church. And that is the proclamation of Jesus Christ as Lord and King and the fact that we have a world that needs to hear it. Let me ask you, as you think about those categories, how would you grade yourself? What kind of grade would you give yourself in embracing God's Word? What kind of grade would you give yourself in loving, committing yourself to God's people in this place? What kind of grade would you give yourself when it comes to praying? What kind of grade would you give yourself in being selfless, embracing worship? What kind of grade would you give yourself in being focused 
on the only thing that really matters about why we're here. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation and we're going to sing together and um, we're going to sing a song about giving all that you have to Jesus. And uh, just to be real honest, I don't want you to sing it today. I want you to engage in worship. I don't want you to sing it unless you mean it. That you're willing. That doesn't mean that you'll do it perfectly every time, but that you're willing. Perhaps you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus. Or, or maybe you're a youth that this weekend did that. And this, today is the time to come and let people know, this is, this is what I've done. This is who I am. Maybe you're here and Jeff talked last night about baptism and the importance of being baptized and identifying yourself with Jesus and with a church. And maybe you're here and today is the day that you say, I know that I've been saved. Uh, everybody I know knows it, or at least my close friends, my close family. But... I want the world to know today. And so today may be a day that you come and say, it's time for me to be baptized. Perhaps you're here and you're a member of this church and you're baptized, but you realize that if you were to honestly grade yourself on what it means to be a good church member, you would not have had a passing grade. You wouldn't have had a good one. You've been more focused on your needs and your desires and what you think instead of praying and seeking the Lord and being selfless when it comes to this place.